Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Flyover State Sports Show, the only show as boring as the state it's made in. I'm your host, Sam Long, and joining me today are my co-hosts, Beans and Gavin. How's it going, guys? We have a wonderful show for you today in the dead period of the NFL. We're here to make sure that between now and draft time and the start of the 2020-2023 regular season that we have you covered. We're going to be coming at you with a lot of Chiefs coverage, a lot of NFL coverage, and some other coverage from around the state of Kansas, including Kansas State men's football, basketball, and maybe even a little bit of joking about KU. Now, Mr. Beans, if you would, would you please hit that intro music? Is this on? Thanks for the music, Beans. I want to start up the show with our first little segment here that I like to call, Give Me a Headline. So, Gavin, how about you give me a headline from this week? All right. So, since the Pro Bowl doesn't matter and the most important thing that came from the Pro Bowl was a fight off of an elevator, I think most people are pretty familiar with the Alvin Kamara story. And if you're not... The just of it is there was a security footage and a beating of a beating that happened as Alvin Kamara and some of his friends got in an altercation with a man getting off of an elevator in Las Vegas. And basically what happened was there Alvin Kamara and his friends beat the fuck out of this dude because he wanted to get on the elevator and they didn't want him to get on the elevator. And I had two takeaways from this. The first one is the police report said that there was 16 point or 16 different contacts made from Alvin Kamara and his friend or Alvin Kamara alone on the man. And I think that as a saints, you really got to think that it took a NFL starting running back 16 points of contact with punches and kick to subdue a average Joe in Las Vegas. I think that that's kind of concerning, but also we have the obvious fact that NFL players just should not be beating other humans regardless of what happens and how stupid it was just to beat someone in Las Vegas when you're making millions of dollars and threaten your career like this. No, I, I agree. I don't, I mean, truthfully, I mean, I've been to Las Vegas recently and I know that a lot of what happens there is a lot of booze, sometimes some drugs and in the case of Alvin Kamara, probably a lot of testosterone. I don't really know what he was thinking. It's just kind of a bad combination of things. And I don't know what his future necessarily holds since he, you know, he's great and everything. But he does, you know, play a pretty flimsy position in terms of job security. It's not like he's, you know... Tom Brady or Pat Mahomes doing this. I mean, he's a running back. He's a great running back, but you know. So you're saying the running back position is expandable? Yeah. I mean, I think we've seen that over the last 10 years, I would say. I mean, 
I don't want to say the Chiefs ever actually replaced Kareem Hunt, but I mean they won a Super Bowl without him. Like Damian Williams tried and have failed over the years, that's for sure. I mean, Damian Williams was fine in the playoffs. He was pretty good. Jarek McKinnon looked good in the playoffs this year. I mean, I just don't think I don't think having a dynamic running back really does much of anything unless you have a bad like quarterback and then it like helps. Did- didn't this happen before? Didn't this happen before the Pro Bowl? Like, wasn't he yes. right yes. after? It happened Friday night going into Saturday morning, if I remember right. So, so Alvin the Pro Bowl mentally sane, just knowing you beat the hell out of someone. Well, I mean, so yeah, I mean, you probably got to think he thought he got away with it or something. I mean, because he he probably went to bed, you know, Saturday morning, like you know, one does at some point in the night. Spent all the next day just kind of doing Pro Bowl stuff and then went to bed again and then woke up, went to the Pro Bowl, and then the next thing he knows, he's getting arrested. So, I think that the funniest part about this was I, uh, you know, I come home today, I pop on my TV. This has like been a story, uh, a recent developing story, stuff constantly coming out. And it's not Alvin Kamara or NFL player Beats Man that I see on my. TV screen. It is hours of the next big story that we have where Kyler Murray has deleted his socials or his pictures off of his social media. Beans, you want to take that one? Give me Kyler Murray to Tampa Bay. This has got to happen. Christ. <laughs> All right, Beans. The first thing I'm going to say is uh, fuck you. Kyler Murray's not going anywhere. <laughs> this is dumb. I, I can't believe that we skipped off of an actual story like Ky- Alvin Kamara this fast to talk about such a non-story. This is I, I, this I is not a story. Happened. It's not even a not story. It's nonsense. It's a great distraction for the NFL media to run with, though, to take some uh, focus off of a NFL player beating a be- pretty much gang violence in Las Vegas, just teaming up and beating some random dude because he wants to hop on the elevator. Do you, do you he, think do you think Kyler is doing this though for an extension? I mean, yes, yes. I mean, for God's sakes, Beans, Kyler's got to have the most leverage out of any in like the NFL player. I mean, he's a really good quarterback and can go fuck off and play baseball whenever he wants. Like, yeah, but if okay, so let's say he wants to trade, he's not going to come back this season. He's going to hold out. I mean, who who do you think of all teams would want him more than anybody? Um, Does he have enough leverage for that? God, I, mean, I wouldn't trade him. I would tell him to go. I would tell him to go play baseball. That's he, almost what I would tell tw- him. he almost has a twelve million dollar cap hit. Yeah, it's a rookie quarterback contract. So who cares? No. I, I, I like. I, I said, mean, if he, if he give, so, give me Kyler to Tampa Bay, they're needing a quarterback. Yeah, well, Denver needs a quarterback. Yeah, well, I mean, who cares? Um, <laughs> I I don't know. I would tell him to go sod it. Let him go play baseball, franchise tag him, and then trade him if he went and played baseball for a season. I honestly think he would have a better baseball career than a football career as a quarterback, in my opinion. But I think that's pretty bold. I mean, his football career is pretty good right now, Beans. Yeah, but if you look at his if you look at his size and structure, do you think he has the longevity of playing quarterback that long? No, because he doesn't have the longevity to play quarterback during an entire season. So Yeah, I want to table this conversation with rushing quarterbacks and lack of uh, 
playoff success and postseason success actually for later when we're talking on quarterbacks in the senior bowl and this quarterback class. So All right. I think uh, I, I have a pretty good take when we get to that. Right, well, I tell you what, I think we'll leave, give me a headline behind, and I'll give you guys a parting word. What happens in Vegas doesn't always stay in Vegas. <laughs> Him and Ruggs are just chilling in the cell. Oh, right Jesus well, don't forget Damon Arnett. Damon Arnett will be oh, in there just he's in soon. He's in Kansas City right now. He's, no, he's not. His team is going to be stacked. I, I tell you what, before we do leave this, I do have to say one thing about Damon Arnett. Because, you know, Damon Arnett got brought up because the Raiders in Las Vegas is a mess for NFL players. I'm convinced, without a shadow of a doubt, that when Willie Gay broke that vacuum cleaner, the Chiefs decided, what can we do to get people to not talk about Willie Gay breaking a vacuum cleaner? And so they signed Damon Arnett to a futures contract. Just uh, to I can neither confirm nor deny this situation. Just to do something so outlandish. To get the everything off of Willie Gay. But anyways, back to people who actually still play football. Um, we have a pretty big game coming up, you know, in a couple of days, guys. I believe they call it the Superb Owl or something like that. I don't know if we can actually say Super Bowl on here, but I don't care because the NFL is a, and Roger Goodell fake deflate gate, so that makes them a bitch. So I can so I can say whatever I want. So I think it's time to get into some Super Bowl coverage. And I think the first thing that we really need to do is offer up a just searing hot Super Bowl prediction before we get into some of the keys to the game. So I got to ask, Beans, you're the biggest wild card out here for the most part. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So what ungodly prediction are you going to make about the Super Bowl? Give well, me a score, too. You want a score? Okay, well, I want to give you the score first. Uh, I'm going to give you 20, 28 Rams, Bengals 20. Okay. I, I think that's the reasonable score. I know, I know. It, what is it set at, four? Uh, I, I, I don't think, actually know what the line is. I, I think, think it was set at four to start. I think it's set to four. Um, I, I think the Rams' defense is going to stop the Bengals early, and then it, it's, the, it's the trend they've been doing all playoffs. They've are slow in the first half and pick it up in the second half. I just don't think it's enough. I think the Rams are going to do the right thing and score four touchdowns in the first half, unlike the Chiefs did. So I think that's what's going to happen. Um, so I, I think Donald will be an absolute beast, though, against that offensive line. Okay, Gavin, what do you got? Yeah, I'm at least with Beans where I think the Rams win this game. My thing is I'm just not sure at what position – you can definitively say that there's a that the Rams or that the Bengals are better than the Rams, and I people are going to be freaking out because Joe Burrow's having an incredible couple games, but Matthew Stafford is a good quarterback. He's just been a good quarterback for longer than Joe Burrow, so that automatically makes him not as cool. Um, you can look at running back, and I think Joe Mixon is probably better, but the gap's not that big, and the offensive line for the Bengals is just a significant disadvantage anyways. So I'm not sure that that matters. Um, wide receiver, two of the biggest things, two of the biggest people in football this year with Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup. Again, just kind of another wash. But then when we get to the defensive side, the Bengals defense has always felt like a bunch of guys overperforming. And then obviously you have the Rams defense littered with stars and then a couple 
again, just average people to fill in the gaps. But the stars that the Rams have on defense just far outweigh what the Bengals, anything the Bengals are throwing out there. I don't see a way that the Bengals can cover the gap. But the Bengals have Eli Apple. Eli Apple can't catch interceptions. <laughs> Eli Apple can't cover anything either. Now, for me, and before we move on to the key points, um, for me, the Rams should win this game, right? This this game reminds me of two Super Bowls. It reminds me of Steelers, Cardinals for Super Bowl 43. Oh, I get those vibes as well. Where the Steelers are just the better team, but the Cardinals are the better story, and you know, they got that stud wide receiver. Now, granted, Kurt Warner and Joe Burrow aren't, like, in the same stages in their career and, and everything like that. But, like, it, it just feels like that plucky underdog team that, you know, really shouldn't win, and the Steelers are better, but they'll give us a good Super Bowl. But the other one that I get reminded of in the flip-reverse area of it is Super Bowl 36, and it just feels like we have the Rams again with a really nice offense. It's not the greatest show on turf, but it's a really nice offense. And some really young QB with some unheralded parts that's just kind of happy to be there, really shouldn't have been there. And I don't know why I'm taking the Bengals, it just feels like that's the way the game's going to go. It's the story. It's, it's, well, it's very sports talk radio of me to take the Bengals and not give a good explanation. I think the only explanation I can give is that when I look at the two quarterbacks and I put the chips down, right, I am fairly confident that Joe Burrow can get to gear six. He can go win the if we're if we're down by four, two minutes left in our own 25. I want Joe Burrow over Matt Stafford. And I don't know if Matt Stafford makes that drive. And so I think if things stay close, I want the Bengals in a dogfight. I want Joe Burrow in a dogfight over whatever the Rams have for me. So if you're telling what? me to pick a score, I got like a 28-24 type game. I'm going to go to the Bengals. But so, I think – go ahead, Gavin. I was just going to say, I mentioned the offensive line for the Bengals before, and we've already seen in one playoff game this year, the Bengals, in my opinion, get kind of bailed out because – Ryan Tannehill threw three deflected interceptions in a game that Joe Burrow held the ball for infinite amount of times and took nine sacks. And uh, so with Joe Burrow getting sacked nine times, does what can the Bengals even do to limit Aaron Donald? You also have Von Miller on the opposite side now. I'm not sure. That's just such a great mismatch. That's, uh, again, one reason just where I think the Bengals can't really do much to stop that from well, I think the they're going to run the ball a lot more than people think they're going to do. I think Jamar Chase, I think he's going to be running sideline to sideline, try to get try to get something off center for those linebackers and try, like like what Sam said, hit the ground and pound game for a little while just to open something up. I mean, but, that's what they did against Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I would expect a lot of screens. I would expect a lot of 
run. I mean, I get I get running on first downs, not exactly, you know, who they are. And Tony Romo was throwing a freaking fit about it. Yes. But, you know, eventually, you, you I mean, you got to take some of the punches out of. You got to take some of the punches out of that defense. I mean, you can't you can't gung ho it and just throw the ball 60 times and expect to win. What do you mean? It worked great for the Chiefs. Yeah, sure did. But, I mean, how do you stop Aaron Donald? Well, Aaron Donald's great because he's a generational pass rusher, defensive tackle, and on the edge. The so dude is stop- a ox. That guy is just a he, man. Yeah, he has no human precedent. I can't believe I'm the same species as that man. But how do you stop him? Well, you run the ball. And you stay on schedule. And you work drives. And that sounds exactly like what Joe Burrow does or had done against the Chiefs. So insert Tom Brady's picture. No shit. I I I think he is the I think he's taller Drew Brees, is what I think. I think he's got a little bit of Tom sprinkled into him, but he's not, not Tom. He's closer not, to Drew he's, Brees. He's not Tom yet. I, I don't think he'll ever be Tom. I think he can be Drew Brees though. And, and we'll get to that later. We'll get to yeah, we'll sure. about that later. I mean, that kind of goes on to, is Joe the next great one? I think Joe is great, so. that That's hard for me to say because, I mean, for him to be great, he's going to have to win, and in the AFC, you got so many good quarterbacks. I mean, that seems to be the topic right now of who is in the AFC. I mean, you have Justin Herbert. You have you have Patrick Mahomes and all these other quarterbacks. You can insert Deshaun Watson whenever this gets figured out. I mean, this AFC group, Josh Allen, it's it's above the NFC, and it's going to be hard to make it to, you know, the AFC championship game, let alone the Super Bowl. So I, I guess we have to decide what does great mean then, right? Is right. It, let, let's say let's say Joe wins this Super Bowl, right, and then does the Drew Brees and puts up great stats and never makes it back. Like well, Drew Brees is still great, but like. He just never made it back. But so, the story nowadays is chasing Brady or chasing, you know, in, in the NBA, you chasing Jordan, you know. We, uh, we need to push the brakes on the whole. Brady has more Super Bowls than any team, like any franchise has. Like we – guys need to start gunning for second place before they can think about going for first place. <laughs> I mean, you, no, you got to get – I agree completely with you that. You got to catch Joe Montana. So here's the thing. It's like an 800-meter race. When you make the first lap, you cross Joe Montana. You still have another freaking lap to go before you get to Tom Brady. So you need to focus on that first lap first. You know what I mean? Like, Tom Brady leads the league in every single major statistical category, except for picks, I think, which is hilarious. So is this fair? I would say in today's NFL, you are a great quarterback if you can win – and make a Super Bowl, possibly win a Super Bowl, when you're on the gigantic contract that every great quarterback is going to want his team to give him. Do you think Joe Burrow can win if he's not surrounded with Jamar Chase, a great offensive line, a good defense, because he's taking up 30% of his team's time? Well, I heard he doesn't have an offensive line, so I think we can kind of put that one out Yeah, there. I think we can set that. I, I don't think... Um, I don't my think- argument to that, though, Gavin, is, I mean, Jimmy G... But, 
went to a Super Bowl and almost made it to another one on a big ass contract. So I mean, if you, unless you're saying Jimmy G is great, then Carson insert Carson Wentz insert you know or Nick Foles, whichever one you want. Uh, Carson about. Wentz was on his rookie deal. Wait a second, Sam, are you saying that wins are not a quarterback stat? But that just gets rid of every NFL narrative of all time. Well, I think that that's kind of a perfect segment to, uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, this isn't in the script per se, but, you know, I think it's time to go to some factor crap. And let me just yeah. give this out to you guys. <laughs> is the NFL narrative that quarterback wins matter? Is that fact or is that crap? It's crap. Not even close. I fucking hate it. That is, I, I have felt very strongly about this for a long time because it's, it's used and just doesn't have any basis. I understand that the quarterback is the quote, most important position, but then when that argument is made, as Sam said, it just completely ignores the fact that Jimmy G is starting in a Super Bowl. that we have teams with quarterbacks like, and I don't, I don't mean to pick on quarterbacks like this, but like Jalen Hurts, Ben Roethlisberger, Guys like that making the playoffs, we saw immediately once they made the playoffs and they played a team that wasn't just giving half-ass effort in the regular season, that they are just not close to those teams. I I don't really think in any facet you can put wins as a quarterback stat. However, I do think losses can be a QB stat. So my opinion is is you got to watch the game, right? Like, right. I mean, Patrick Mahomes pretty much won that game against the Bills, right? Like, I'm cool with, you know, going up and walking up and putting a fucking tally mark next to the win column for Pat, you know, against the Bills. But Pat also lost, pretty much lost the game against the Bengals. I mean, there's a lot of different things that go into wins and losses, obviously. But, like, I mean, Mahomes plays just regular bad against the Bengals in the second half, and boom, they're in the Super Bowl. Mahomes plays a little slightly tick worse than what he did against the Bills, and they're watching the Bills probably beat the Bengals. I don't know. It depends. But they're watching the AFC title game at home. So, I mean, like, you have to watch the games. I mean, there's so many games where it's like, yeah, Pat's really good, and Pat's playing at a normal level, and it didn't matter. We won by 14. So, like, right? did the quarterback play really matter? Who knows? Kind of. I don't think Chad Haney could have won that game. There's no no way in hell. Yeah, and I mean, like, that's the thing, though, is, like, Patrick Mahomes, like, opened you up to more wins. Josh Allen opened you up to more wins than you normally would. They're obviously better quarterbacks, right? But, like, in terms of just, like, all right, like, these guys are great, so we should win the – like, and the team is good, we should win this game. Them playing bad can lose you the game. Them, like, playing good – like they should doesn't necessarily win you the game if that makes sense. It's because yeah. they're good. If that, I think the perfect example of what you're saying with this quote watching the game happened in that Tennessee Bengals first playoff game. You have on one side Ryan Tannehill who was poo pooed for the next week because he had three interceptions in the game and those are counting stats and they don't really care that all three of those were deflected or Jesse Bates covering 45 yards on a deep ball to A.J. Brown. That is a play that a safety usually just doesn't make. Meanwhile, we poo-poo the Bengals' offensive line for giving for letting Joe Burrow get sacked nine times, but he also had the highest time to throw of any quarterback in the playoffs so far 
all playoff games, and that just kind of gets thrown to the wayside because it's the offensive line's problem, that Joe Burrow can't hit an open Jamar Chase or an open T. Higgins or whoever under five seconds in the pocket. But that doesn't fit their narrative, Gavin. Right. Yes, I I think we've uh, pretty much covered that. NFL media is fucking stupid, and (laughs) I hate it. And we're right, they're wrong. Speaking of the NFL being stupid, we know that the media is stupid. But the NFL itself, is it stupid? Is it racist with the Brian Flores situation and just everything going on kind of socially within the NFL in terms of hiring coaches? So fact or crap, guys, the NFL is racist, stupid, or both? I, I, Eric, Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to add one comment in here. Eric Bieniemy should have every right to be a coach right now. You've gone through 14 interviews and have been turned down by all of them. And it, they, there's no way in hell he should not be a, a, a coach right now. I mean, I get it. He, there's some issues there. Um, you know, his history, which I'm, I'm not really going to go into detail in the history, and I'm sure that probably probably hurts his situation. And I, I, I just don't get it why he's not a coach right now. He, he should be in that spot. How has he not proven it? Well, so, piggyback off of that, too. Sorry to cut you off, Gavin, but there's a report – it's from Mike Florio, so who knows? Mike Florio is wrong <laughs> about ninety percent of things. Just throw shit at the wall and hope it sticks. Yeah, no, Florio, Florio is pretty much, you know, a, yeah, Florio is a bad source. He's the he's the worst good source or yes. the best bad source, whichever one you like best. But he said that Eric Bieniemy's contract is set to expire, and uh, we don't know if he's gonna stay. Like I, I heard that there might be thing. a potential for a one-year deal with him. I, I think that's like, all right, you got one year to get this figured out, and then like, we're just going to have to let you walk. I, I, I don't know. I feel like <laughs> – Wait a second. Are you talking about giving the dude that's been at the helm – and I understand Andy Reid too – been at the helm of one of the NFL's best offenses over his time in Kansas City needs a prove-it deal? I, exactly. I don't get it either. And I, I think Eric, if Eric Bieniemy wants to stay – okay, here's my opinion. I think that Eric Bieniemy and, and and Andy Reid sat down for a cheeseburger one night and or pizza. I don't know. I, I know Andy Reid likes hamburgers. So I imagine they sat down at dinner and said, listen, Andy Reid told him, said, listen, give me some time and I will retire and I will give you the keys to this Ferrari. All right. Just give me some time. So maybe that explains some things. I'm sure he's trying to interview and trying to find the right job, maybe. But I think he's not in a hurry. I I agree, and that's the one thing about the enemy situation that's kind of always been the cop-out when you're talking about is the NFL racist or stupid or both. The problem where the NFL finds itself is then you get to this Flores situation where Flores, just to catch everyone up on this, was fired from Miami this year and has not been able to find a job, and his problem in Miami was – he was winning too many games when he was getting offered get offered money to lose them, and he was being difficult with an owner that wanted to tank. And he didn't want to do that as the head coach because that's his lifeline. And then also was tied to wanting to upgrade from Tua to Deshaun Watson, which the, you never know the basis of those quotes either. But regardless... Had a, I don't know if he had a winning record, but always outperformed the roster that he had. You're not really sure 
what the problem that the NFL finds itself in is the candidates that are interviewing against Flores, you're just not sure what they do better. And it's consistent things like this that the NFL finds itself in where the NFL has to, these owners that are making the decisions, they have to be either racist or stupid. They cannot be one of the, one or the other, or they cannot be neither. They can be one or the other. If you're racist, if you're stupid, you're going to make that decision. You're going to make the decision to fire a, or hire a worse candidate than the guy that is objectively better in every single way because your process is dumb or because you are dumb as a human being. I think, doesn't that pretty much cover it where we're at? Yeah. Let, let me speak on the, the enemy situation real quick. I, I know there's a huge stigma around him not calling plays either. I know that that's part of the reason why, and I think that's part of the reason why coaches can be like, oh, well, or owners, excuse me, can be like, oh, well, you know, this guy's not necessarily right for the job. If I were Eric Bieniemy, I would leave personally. I know that you're in a really good situation right now and everything, but I mean, I wouldn't want to wait around for Andy Reid to decide to retire because why would Andy Reid retire with the freaking Ferrari that is Patrick Mahomes? I mean, Patrick Mahomes is the sports quarterback equivalent of a Ferrari, and like Josh Allen might be a Lambo, and you know Joe Burrow might be whatever. But you have one of the you know. You have the car, right? Like it's the cool car. Yeah, go to Las Vegas and go to Las Vegas and drive with Derek Carr. Well, don't don't (laughs) speed at Las Vegas. We don't need to get into that. But you know, if you're Andy, don't. Why would you leave? Like, what what's the purpose? You can coach for as long as you want, and you have Mahomes, and the city loves you. You want a Super Bowl here? You can do whatever. And so I don't know if the enemy wants to wait around for that because, you know, everyone thought that Josh McDaniels was waiting around for that. And Josh yeah. McDaniels is now the coach of the Raiders. Yep. So, I mean, if I'm the enemy, I, I would, I mean, I would just want to leave. Like, I, be, I, I would have been here somewhere else. Because if you prove it twice, then at some point it's going to be like, all right, well, he called plays here. We, we know he didn't call plays in Kansas City. But, you know, Kansas City was awesome. This place he went to next was awesome. I get he has some baggage, but for God's sakes, he's done it twice if he wants it. Like, let us have it. Can I make this comparison real quick? No. Okay, thank you. Okay, so it's like somebody young trying to get a job and saying you don't have enough experience, even though you have a college degree, many hours of interns, internship hours. You know, it's I, I kind of see this being the same way. You know, yeah. like, hey, you, you've been here, but, you know, like, what about somewhere else? Like, we need you to have more experience, so – that's where I would compare it is like, you know, maybe he just needs more experience because right now he's got maybe none. I mean, he did coach in college and maybe college is the right setting for him. He is very much an administrator. (laughs) The the problem I have with that beans when we're talking about Flores is one of the actual candidates that's being talked about against Flores, or at least was for a consistent, for a large amount of time was Josh McCown. Exactly. Okay. Let me interject here right here. Cause I, have something to say about that entire thing. <laughs> I'm going to pick up my microphone and beans. If my audio is too loud, then I want you to stop me. But I need to monologue about this because I'm so tired of the Houston Texans. You know that meme or whatever from the dark night where it's the uh, crime boss and he's hitting the table and he's like, enough with the clown, enough with the Texans. God, this franchise is terrible. These 
these dudes fired David Kelly, who turned just water into wine at this point, right? He took some bum-ass team that everyone thought was going to win about two games that didn't have Deshaun Watson, didn't have New Hopkins, didn't have J.J. Watt, and he won like four games with that team with just some freaking garbage and Davis Mills at quarterback. And so they fired him because he was just some token placeholder, apparently, or some bullshit like that. And they had just the thought of, okay, we're going to compare two coaching candidates. We can either hire Brian Flores, who was the defensive coordinator and play caller during Super Bowl 53, when the Rams offense that averaged a bajillion points a game got completely shut down. He also went down to Miami, turned just a completely known tanking team into back-to-back winning seasons. And so you have this guy, Brian Flores, who is objectively a very good coach getting interviewed everywhere. And who do you compare him to? You compare him to journeyman backup quarterback Josh McCowan, whose only starting experience or coaching experience, excuse me, is one season at a random high school kind of being a quarterback's coach. The only other thing that he has going for him is that he was a really swell guy when he was a backup quarterback. I do not understand it. I don't. I I just can't fathom the thought process that went through during that decision of we're going to take these two guys who are the complete opposite in terms of coaching experience and everything else. They're complete dichotomy. And then you chicken shit your way out of wanting to hire Luke McCowan so bad that you can't even hire Brian Flores. You just promote. Lovey Smith, who was on David Cully's staff. So all you did was fire the head coach and promote a random dude as your head coach who hasn't done anything since he took the Bears to the Super Bowl since two, in 2006. He sucked in the Bucks and he sucked at the University of Illinois. I don't know what they're doing. Someone I, explain what they're doing. doing. I don't get it either, but I know Josh McDaniels just walked into a hell of a good situation there in Miami. Like, Mike McDaniel. Mike, Mike McDaniel. McDaniel. My bad. Yeah. Mike McDaniel. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I think he just got handed a very good team and said, you know, he's he's gonna he's gonna win there now because of that, and it's because of the what Brian Flores did to create that situation. You know what's my- funny about that whole thing too? Now that I'm simmered off from my rant, they <laughs> hired him, and you know what Mike McDaniel's expertise is? He's a run game guru, which doesn't make any sense unless you don't think two is that good. But why wouldn't you hire the quarterback guru if your whole goal was to build around Tua? Well, I, I, there's so much more to uh, to McDaniel's than that. I've heard he's very good with his teams. He likes to have fun, you know. And he, he's very I, much. An I'm guy. sure he's the complete opposite of Brian Flores and a breath of fresh air. But for God's sakes, when you're firing Brian Flores, and one of the main reasons is you know you want to do right by Tua, the guy who you know you hired was the offensive coordinator for. Jimmy G. So is Tua just Jimmy G? Left-handed Jimmy G? I think the I think what they thought is the best way to build around Tua is to get the ball out of his hands and into a running back's hands. Exactly. That's what we're getting at here. And Brian Flores just said that and said we should go get Deshaun Watson, and he got fired for it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well. All right. So it's a fact that the NFL is one of the following two. Yep, we proved it.
We we just proved it. Fan <laughs> fantastic. I went to right. the senior bowl. Let's yeah, let's go to the senior bowl. You know, enough of the current NFL. On to the future NFL. And boy, oh boy, was every quarterback who's projected to go in the first round or just get drafted, were they all at the Senior Bowl? Who were you most impressed with and why? You first, Beans. All right. Well, I, I think uh, you, you, you can say what you want, but I think Sam Howe kind of really did try to do his best there. And it, it's hard to say. I mean, none of the quarterbacks really stood out to me. and But I think Sam Howe did – did impress me just a little bit. He kind of showed flashes of Baker Mayfield. He showed he does have that mobility and escape presence from the pocket and can throw the ball accurately enough in the NFL for the, for the next step. So I, I'd say Sam Howell. Okay. So I have a problem with this and I have a, again, I have a problem with the media coverage around the senior bowl because what happened was, Everything we knew about Malik Willis coming into the Senior Bowl was that he was a really toolsy guy that was not very good at playing quarterback at Liberty. He was so bad at playing quarterback when he was in college that Bo Nix beat him out when he was at Auburn. And he had to transfer away to a group of five schools so that he could start and play quarterback and be really toolsy. So what does he do? He comes to the Senior Bowl and is really toolsy. And the NFL falls in love with him to the point that there was reports of Mike Tomlin dry humping his leg, following him around late in the week because he really likes him. Meanwhile, we have other GMs that were quoted at the senior bowl saying the best quarterback at the senior bowl was Matt Corral because they were so unimpressed with the quarterbacks there. That, that Matt Corral definitely helped his draft stock there. (laughs) This is where I get into an issue because as Sam said, Sam Howell was a impressive quarterback. And to be completely honest, Sam Howell is my quarterback one in this class. And I have a little comparison here that I put together before the show. So Sam Howell's biggest gripe or the thing that goes against him is he regressed this year after losing all of his talent, which I'm definitely not sure what quarterback wouldn't regress when they lose talent. But here's the comparisons that we have to Matt Corral, who's just so much better in the SEC than Sam Howell has been in the ACC. So, and I want to put this in the context of Matt Corral had a good offensive line and Matt Corral also has a receiver he was throwing to that is a, according to a a mock draft consensus database is going as a high fourth round pick right now. So he's not having nobody to throw to. We have completion percentage on their careers. Matt Matt Corral is at 65.9, or Jesus, Matt Corral's at 65.9, Sam Howell's at 63.8. Two percentage difference, but Matt Corral also had a season that was under 60% completion percentage. Passing yards this year, Matt Corral had 300 more passing yards, but Sam Howell had a higher yards per attempt. Passing touchdowns, Sam Howell, 24, Matt Corral, 20. Rushing yards, Sam Howell had 200 more rushing yards and the same amount of rushing touchdowns. Both of them have the con put on their draft reports that their offenses that they ran ran only RPOs and deep shots. So I'm not sure why that's held against Sam Howell and not against Matt Corral. And also you have the added thing that Matt Corral supposedly played at 190 pounds this year, but is supposed to withstand the NFL. I'm not sure 
what Matt Corral does better than Sam Howell statistically and from what I'm hearing, but for some reason he was the best quarterback at the senior bowl. It just doesn't make sense to me. Well, so for me, Matt Corral just, I don't know about you, but I don't like really seek out like senior bowl stuff as I should, but Matt Corral just feels like a forgotten man at this point, right? And I feel like that's kind of what's going on to your point, Gavin. Is, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder or something. Like we haven't we haven't seen anything to knock Matt Corral with. He's just kind of been there and his draft stock is neutral and other people's stock is going up above him or going below him, right? That's fair. And, and I think it's kind of one of those things where if you really liked Matt Corral going into this, none of the quarterbacks really, you know. Would have impressed you enough outside of maybe Malik Willis with just his natural talent to really say, oh, yeah, like this guy right here, that's the guy that's better than Matt Corral. I would say probably the person who helped his draft stock the most would be uh, Kenny Pickett in the sense that, you know, his hands, you know, are still there. And Is that know. why he wears the <laughs> Yes. You know, I, I, that's got to be right because is, is he his hands are very small. Okay. Like, I'm not gonna knock. I'm, I'm not gonna not sit here and say that his hands aren't small. His hands are small. He's gonna fumble balls probably more often. If I wasn't, if I was in Cleveland or Cincinnati, I wouldn't want him. I, I get that Joe has like you know smaller hand hands on the smaller side too. But Joe Burrow is like small, you know an Brady elite prospect. I huh? Brady had small hands too. Don't don't let that. No, this this isn't fair. Uh, we got to be objective on this because. He didn't get his hands measured. The reported measurement that came from his college was that he had 8.8 and a quarter inch hands, and there has never been a quarterback in the NFL that has started an entire season with less than nine inch hands. Nine inches is what Joe Burrow had. Yeah. So, again, look, I mean, is Kenny Pickett, does Kenny Pickett have small hands? Yeah, he has, he has small hands. If his college is coming out and saying he has eight, in three quarters hands. He probably is eight and a half. Or no, it was, it was eight and one quarter. Oh, eight and one. He definitely is eight inch hands then. Like th- that's what it is. Yeah. And again, like if I'm playing in S- Cleveland or like Pittsburgh or something, I probably don't want Kenny Pickett. If I'm playing in New Orleans and I play in a dome, I don't give a shit. Right. Like it's whatever. Um, but I think Kenny Pickett, you know, is just kind of the guy who is like the Mac Jones of this class where it's like, yeah, you know, this guy's pretty good. I don't I, know I how good he's going to be, but, you know, this guy looks like he should be able to start in the NFL for 10 to 15 seasons. I don't know how good he, he might only be Jimmy G, but, you know, Jimmy G on a rookie contract is pretty good. So, yeah. So Sam, uh, Girl Scout shows up to your house, but instead of a, uh, cookies, she has a gun pointed at your head. Who are you taking as QB1 in this draft? Malik Willis, absolutely. Malik Willis is the only quarterback in this draft, to me personally, that I look at. I see the arm strength. I see the mobility. He's kind of on the thicker side, too, so even though he's a little bit s- smaller, I can kind of see him taking a little bit of a beating. I don't know if he's he's never going to be like that pocket guy, I don't think. Like he He's never... Even like in a Mahomes sense, I don't think he's ever going to quite be that guy. He's more Lamar than anything else. But I mean, I could see souped up Jalen Hurts. Like right. I can, I can look at him and say, ah, Jalen, that's Jalen Hurts with a better arm, and that's Jalen Hurts. That's you know, 
a little bit more creative, less boring, you know? And so, I mean, I'm taking him because of the upside. Like, I don't, like, that. that's it. Like, if you wanted me to pick the best quarterback, I'd take probably Sam Howell or Kenny Pickett, and I would go and win, like, nine, go nine and eight every season and kind of sneak into the playoffs every now and again. But, you know. Yep. So give me Malik. What about you, Gavin? Um, I'm taking Sam Howell. The problem I – and this is more of a – I think Malik Willis is the second best quarterback in this class just because of everything that you said. The problem that I have is Sam Howell is just – compared to Malik Willis, Sam Howell has been good for too long. And that's like the big knock that we have against him. He was really good as a true sophomore. And then as a true junior, he kind of regressed back a little bit. Malik Willis, as I said, got beat out by Bo Nix, had to transfer away to find an opportunity. He did, and he was really good. But, like, the guy, the, what you get, keep hearing is, well, Josh Allen fixed his ac- accuracy. Josh Allen was a project and ended up working out. So everybody's chasing that now. Well, so they, far- never, they never talk about the other projects that didn't pan out and how he's an outlier. <laughs> Not even that, but, like, Josh Allen wasn't even, like, set on – quarterback being his career until his like sophomore year of college when he was at Wyoming it's just there was so he was so raw when he came out Mac or uh, Malik Willis has been going to elite at 11 camps has been practicing as a quarterback and trying to be the best quarterback that he can be for years are we really certain that he's just all of a sudden going to become accurate he's all of a sudden going to be able to read defenses he's all of a sudden going to be able to make reads I just don't know what we have to believe that. And I would rather have – if Sam Howell is Baker Mayfield, then the best quarterback in this draft class is Baker Mayfield, and the NFL needs to act as that is the case. All right, Beansy, what do you got? All right, do you want my real answer or do you want – Yeah, my- no, just, just throw <laughs> it out there. I, You know what, everyone, Beans has told me this answer because I asked this question just – Yeah, Beans, don't know. give that answer. I yeah. want to have credibility. Give me Bailey Zappy, damn God it. damn it. <laughs> I tell you what, dude, that go- that Girl Scout that came to your door is going to execute you on spot for that answer. <laughs> yeah, and I, I would I would tell give me, her the tell ammo. Me why you wouldn't take Bailey Zappy. None of these quarterbacks have impressed me other than Malik Willis and Sam Howell. I get that, but – what is what is Bailey, what do you have against Bailey Zappi other than the fact that he's not very mobile? Well, he played in an offense that passed the ball like all the time. So did Patrick Mahomes, and uh, granted, we're not going to compare. Yeah, but he doesn't have the arm talent or yeah, the mobility. He had one of the worst the arms at the Senior Bowl. He oh, no, Carson Strong had the worst arm. Oh my gosh, trying to watch him shot put a ball twenty yards down the field was a blitter. He, it, was, it was ugly. But okay, let me read you the stats from his twenty twenty one season: sixty nine point oh, two completion percentage, five thousand nine hundred sixty seven yards, and sixty two touchdowns and eleven interceptions with a with a rating of one sixty eight. Granted, in the NFL, that's probably like what, uh, probably like I don't know, average. So I I I know uh, you're going to get a lot of crap for this. And I, my real answer is probably Sam Howell. He's going to be the QB1 or Malik Willis. But Bailey Zappi, I'm saying in the future, I think he does have a shot of being a very good quarterback. So I, I did a quick Google search on Bailey Zappi because I want to make sure he wasn't some, you know, 
small. I mean, Western Kentucky is a small school. Wanted to make sure he wasn't some small school podunk, 5'10", like 180 quarterback. No, he's 6'1", 220 pounds. And I, what, what, yeah, what? I, I get that. But when you do a quick Google search, you know, the, you know how like it'll pop up like, oh, people also ask, here's the top four things that Bailey Zappi, uh, you know, gets frequently asked about from four to one. Is Bailey Zappi a senior? Solid. Is <laughs> Bailey Zappi good? Will yeah. Bailey Zappi get drafted? And number one is, is Bailey Zappi an NFL prospect? Exactly. I think he, that covers he it. projected fourth <laughs> round. And you know what? That was higher than I thought. So who knows? Maybe Bailey Zappi will end up going in like the third round. Maybe someone will believe in him. And, and, it, and it's hard to say right now, right before we get into like uh, any other, uh, you know, in draft coverage we're kind of early in this process but i think just get i think given time i think the media will start hitting him harder and i think he will it will up his draft stock from what would you say fourth round i think it will up fourth, yeah i, I think, think i think the his. biggest problem is that there's a pretty condensed six person like top of the pack right Yay. Can we just come together and say that this is not a very good quarterback draft? Yes. Yes. Okay. Very much so. I'm glad we can agree with that. Well, I tell you what, let, let's let's go for some quick hitters. I know that we've talked for quite a bit. I'm going to ask you guys some Chiefs questions since we are from the great state of Kansas, and we're all Chiefs fans out here. Uh, so Kansas these are going to be quick hitters. Nothing, no real elaboration. I just want answers, Okay. Who do you want to see the Chiefs go after in free agency or in the draft? Beans, shoot. Oh, boy. Uh, well, if we're going to go off of free agents, I, I do think they need to go after Tyron. I, I know his stats weren't quite there, but him being the quarterback of the defense and trying to tell everybody where to be really showed. And when he was gone in that uh, in that playoff game, you, you could tell. Like, they – and granted, Spagnuolo's came out and said that that he was a major key to that defense that game, but you could tell they were lost. They didn't know what to do without him. And if it takes a quarterback on the defense to get everybody in the right place, including Daniel Sorensen, then I am all for it. All right. And you got a draft guy. You got, you got a guy, you know, who you're just, you just got a hard on for right now. Oh gosh. I got a hard on for a lot of these receivers and corners. Uh, I know the chiefs are going to be in dire need of, you know, trying to get more ammo power for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I think Christian Watson from uh, North Dakota State looked very good. Ammo power. Uh, <laughs> ammo power. That's that's the new phrase. Ammo power. Hashtag that shit. All right. And then uh, I know he's going to be gone way before, but it, if you can somehow keep Tyron on a franchise tag or something, it might be really expensive to do it. But Jalen Petrie, holy shit, I love him. I want him. I don't know how many – I don't know what we have to do to trade up to get him. I do think he'll be a very good defensive back in the NFL. All right, Gavin, one free agent, one draft guy. Who you got? All right, so free agency, this is more of uh, fun, but I also just think the Chiefs could do it, and it would be a personality that would work on the Chiefs, and he's going to come off of – he obviously wants to chase rings. That's what he just did. Bringing OBJ into Kansas City is something I just see the Chiefs doing. I, I don't agree with it. I don't think it's necessary, but I just see the Chiefs doing it because, I mean, Josh fucking Gordon's on their roster right now. Like, we have a type that we look for, and the baggage that is attached to OBJ, Kansas City is perfectly happy to sign that baggage, apparently. 
Uh, oh, sorry. How you got draft wise? Sorry. That's what I was gonna say. So it's such a deep defensive draft. I would definitely, if I was the Chiefs, I'm thinking about that as I'm looking at a lot of these guys that are leaving our corners, or even Tyron Matthew. I think you can replace a lot of them. And the key thing is, I think you can replace a lot of them second, third, fourth, fifth round. Um, the one guy in the draft, if we don't get OBJ, and I don't think we should get OBJ because you can grab a guy like Traylon Burks, like Chris Olave, late in the first round, two different receivers. But I just don't think with the offensive minds we, that we have coaching in Kansas City, if you get Olave, he's just a perfect fit for what the Chiefs want anyways with a fast, fast guy that's good at finding space, and that's what Patrick Mahomes wants. If you get a guy like Traylon Burks, the Chiefs staff is one of the only other ones in the NFL I could trust using a skill set like a Debo, where he's more of a weapon than a wide receiver. And I just think that they could they could be one of the best places to utilize what Traylon Burks does well. His, his personality also, the OBJ's personality just, I'm not saying it fits Kansas City, but Kansas City likes bringing in these projects. Look at, I mean, look at their history of bringing in these people and trying to turn them around i guess per se i just don't think he's gonna leave the rams personally i don't know why he wouldn't or like why he would leave other than the fact that they might not have enough money to do so but there's also i I guess salary cap going up next year because of tv deals but that that's never certain that could be next year or it can be affected because of covid and it might stay the same that's why patrick mahomes contract looks expensive now but in a few years that might be the average that might be the norm so it is hard to say but it, it's hard, like I said, it's hard to say. But OBJ might it might be too expensive for the Chiefs too. Well, I would say for me personally, um, I don't want to spend draft capital necessarily on a uh, wide receiver. Like I, I really just don't want to do that. And so I want to. And Kelsey's kind of a guy who takes up the slot. And Tyreek's the kind of guy who takes up short to deep. So I think we need a guy who can really hunt like the mid routes and other short routes. And I think Allen Robinson's really kind of the guy who is a really good player. He's he's a little washed right now, and I don't think he can get one. But if he's like the third option as your kind of short to intermediate guy, red zone threat, I think that that could be really good. There, there are reports coming out that the Chiefs and Allen Robinson are in discussions right now. And, right. And, and I've seen that, and that's kind of, you know, what I've been thinking with that. that I think that's a really, really good fit, personally. Could be cheaper, too, because he came off of not a productive year. Well, that's what I'm thinking also, is I would rather, you know, I want to spend money elsewhere, not on wide receiver. How old is how old it? Here, I'm going to look it up real quick. How old He's old probably like He's He's um, but in, ter- in terms of drafting, um, I want to go for like a later guy. Um, I, I think with the way our running back room is, I still always kind of felt that we needed a little bit more of a power guy, and I feel like a guy like a Sean Haskin is just kind of a guy the Chiefs could use in the red zone because I the Chiefs have been kind of meh. At least two years ago, they were really bad in the red zone. So I think having a guy with some actual attitude, like an actual bigger back, could really like open up like inside the five. Because I mean, you kind of see what happens with the Chiefs sometimes. They get 
They're the only team in the league where that random pitch to the tight end ends up being a part of their offense because they can't just run the ball north and south despite having one of the better O-lines in football. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with that, and especially because you're getting a guy like Hassan Haskins in the sixth round, in the fifth round, undrafted. That's Yeah, I completely agree with that fit. All right, so let's go over like some of our guys that might not be back next year. Uh, Tyron's obviously a free agent, and Frank Clark and Anthony Hitchens are cut candidates. Those guys have been big pieces of the team for the last three years. Um, I guess, do you see who do you see coming back? Who do you see not coming back? Just kind of give me a quick, quick hit on that. Oh, I I do see, like I don't see them bringing back Frank Clark unless he's going to restructure or Anthony Hitchens because he's going to restructure. I do see them bringing back Daryl Williams. I think he had too much production to not bring him back. And alongside that, Byron Pringle, like he he rose his he rose himself up to be try attempting to be the wide receiver too. So I think he's going to be that depth piece. But on defense, uh, what scares me is Dave Tobe has so much say on what happens in the Chiefs, and they're going to bring back like Dorian O'Daniel and all these smaller uh, role players that are mainly on special teams, and that's what scares me uh, mm-hmm. that he has too much say. But I, 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 I don't think I see Frank Clark or Anthony Hitchens wearing a Chiefs uniform unless they're wanting to restructure. So here's my issue with all of these guys. It, we just talked about this quarterback class sucks. Uh, we aren't we we know it's a great offensive line. We know it's a great defensive draft. It's basically everything not quarterback, which is why people hate this draft. So you're gonna have, and the Chiefs have all of their draft picks. At least I believe so. I'm not sure if they're missing anything, but you're gonna have to take players with those draft picks, and you're gonna want those players to have a path to the field. You expect them to contribute for you. If it's a great defensive draft, if it's a great offensive line, if it's a great defensive line draft, I would be okay moving on with any of these guys, knowing that you're going to have the ability to get 90% of them, 80% of them, whatever you feel about the player you're bringing in on a cheap deal out of the draft. And I'm not really sure I just want to lock long-term big money into any of them. The, the best case scenario for the chiefs is that multiple quarterbacks are going way before them, because that means these guys are falling to them. Exactly. Um, for me, I think, I, I think Frank Clark is gone. I think Anthony Hitchens are gone. I don't think it really matters if they want to restructure or not, because we got to pay Orlando Brown. I, I don't, there's no way to, there's no way to slice or dice that one. We traded a first round pick for Orlando Brown, and I you mean, think they think they franchise tag Brown? I would. I mean, I would franchise tag him over uh, Tyron Matthew, personally. Yeah, I, I would agree with that too. If, uh, if you only have one franchise tag, it's got to go to Orlando Brown, and that that's not anything sunk cost or anything. That's you know you made the investment to keep Patrick upright, and right. <laughs> we need to. All right. And he's the future of the franchise. So I mean, unless unless one of those dudes wants to sign a contract extension before, you know, the franchise tag, then I don't know. Um, right. I'm going to name two players, and I want you guys to tell me if they're going to bring him back or not. All right, okay. I'm going to name Melvin Ingram. Um, no. Vet men, if he comes back like vet men, but probably not because he probably played himself into a good contract. Yeah, so too. Uh, he's going to definitely take his time on this. He did that last year. I think yep. he's going to definitely wait until you know July to finally make his decision. Um, all right, n- name number two, Dirty Dan Sorensen. Fuck, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Daniel Short, dude. Okay, 
mini rant. Daniel Sorensen is garbage. He's awful every year. Daniel Sorensen every year goes through the same cycle. He's been the same way for five years. He goes out there and for three months, football players in the National Football League and getting significant defensive snaps for some reason. And then for once December comes around, like late November, December, he somehow turns into like an all pro caliber safety. He turns into prime Ed Reed, prime Palomalu. And has like the craziest month of his life, but it's not the craziest month of his life because he does it every freaking season. And then, you know, it, that that's just to quell down like the, oh, this guy's definitely getting cut narrative. And then we'll get into the playoffs and he will do something so stupid and just so out of the blue good for the team that he will just automatically not get cut. We should cut Dan Sorensen. Dan Sorensen stinks, but we won't because reasons. I can't even come up with a good reason why we would keep I, him, but we will. I would rather him be I would rather him do this stuff for the Chiefs than him on like the Bengals and doing that to us. I don't care because <laughs> I don't care. I'm so because the other team doesn't have any loyalties to him. They'll just fucking cut him in the middle of the season. Yeah. He, he takes up entirely else. too much cap for someone who's only here because he was okay on special teams. And then, like, we needed him to play safety because, like, all of our safeties got hurt or were gone or whatever. Like, it's – I hate it. Beans, I hate it here. It's a <laughs> reoccurring nightmare. I can't tell you how many times me and my friend when I was in college, every year around, like, you know, December, we'd sit down and be like, yeah, you know, we can save like $5 million in cap if we cut Dan Sorensen, and we'll probably do it this year. And then we never did because <laughs> reasons. I mean, if you look at the if you look at the free agent list of the Kansas City Chiefs, you have Blake Bell, Austin Blythe, Orlando Brown, Michael Burton, who I think they need to bring back him back. He played more of a crucial role than we would like to admit. Josh Gordon, Chad Haney, uh, Mike Hughes, uh, Kyle Long, uh, Jet McKinnon, Ben Neiman, please. For Bailey Zappi for backup Chiefs quarterback. There we yeah, go. Beans. I would take Perfect. that any day of the year. Oh, there we go. Bean, Beans is excited. My veins now. All right. Well, you know, segueing off of that, I, I know we would love to keep talking Chiefs, but all we're going to be doing is listing off a bunch of bums who are free agents this season, debating whether or not we should bring them back when we can just bring back similar players or draft similar players. So I think it's time to go to our last segment, which is the hot take of the week. And Gavin, I see that you put your take up first. So take it away. What is your hot take this week? I actually, I thought that this was funny. It it fits the theme of the show with the NFL being fucking retarded. Uh, Because I told Sam this hot take, you know, midweek before the show. And Sam told me he's not even sure if this is a quote hot take. Uh, my, it's that Joe Brady was the best coach in Carolina this year. I just, I, I was a noted, I'm not sure what Joe Brady's done wrong. You know, he obviously surfaced with the LSU team, jumps to the NFL as an offensive coordinator. And I don't even want to read off his, his list of quarterbacks that he's had. He made Teddy Bridgewater look like a fucking pro bowler and have three 1000 yard receivers on a team that was just objectively bad at the Ross of a roster because we saw what they did this year with just not that much different. I'm not. And 
he was kind of a scapegoat fire this year, in my opinion, anyways. And I'm not a big fan of their head coach. And then what happens? He doesn't go through. He goes through the interviews, and he ends up going to Buffalo. Who lets uh, Ryan Dable go? And then they just bring in Joe Brady and promote their old quarterback coach to OC, and everything's just fine in Buffalo because that's what good organizations do. And we've already touched on what bad organizations do. I tell you what, I I really did like Matt Rule after his first year. I thought he did some really good stuff, but it, it's a lot of me going on to like Reddit and Twitter, and it feels like Matt Rule is incapable of taking blame for anything, he which just, is kind of a bad thing when you're an NFL head coach. So I've kind of soured on him a little bit. I, I would give that hot take, honestly, like a four out of ten, mainly just because he got fired as an offensive coordinator. The yeah, offense Matt Rule just doesn't great. say smart things in interviews either. I know that's not what you should judge a coach on, but it's not like he's doing anything else well either. But in an interview where he's asked about them not taking Rashawn Slater in the draft and taking the corner, I can't forget his name. Uh, I think it's Jason Horn, wasn't it? Jason yeah. Horn. So he was asked about that, and they said – there, and keep in mind, they had the worst offensive line since PFF has started. So they, they've PFF has never seen an offensive line as bad as what they had this year. And they passed on Rashad Slater because they thought that he had too short of arms and he would have to play guard. And then Rashawn Slater had probably one of the better years as a rookie offensive lineman. No, yeah, he was arguably the best rookie offensive lineman out of the draft, depending on what you think of Panay Sewell. But regardless, instead of just saying, like, we like J.C. Horn, or we're happy with we got with what we got with J.C. Horn. We liked him better. He had to just go and say something stupid and just, again, reveal the thought process going on behind the scenes where there's just not a whole lot to believe that there's, <laughs> there's not a whole lot of high mental processing going on at these bad organizations. I'm pretty sure Joe Thomas's arms were also, like, short. He had, like, the same length of arms as Joe Thomas or something like that, like, like, arm length is important in terms of, like, you know, ceiling for an offensive tackle. But, like, there's so many different ways to block as an offensive tackle. You know what right. I mean? At the end of the day, it's can you keep the other 300-pound man off your quarterback? It doesn't matter whether or not you use long arms or short arms. It really is more to do with technique than anything. It, it's what I mean, the football world does. I mean, remember when uh, Jamar Chase was a bust because he had some drops in a preseason game? Absolutely. He still is a bust, Gavin. Didn't you yeah. hear? He dropped those preseason balls. Yeah. Absolutely can't be trusted. Could never go for 200 yards on the secondary from a team that made it to an AFC championship. Could just never no. do that. No way. Beans, what is this? on my show sheet here about your hot take all right this is the worst draft class since 2013 okay all right cool okay (laughs) explain what Um, you mean tying this to covid okay so i I have this theory that all these this this group of draft class just isn't as good as the class in 2013 and I, i i think it has something to do with covid there's just that lackadaisical period uh, I feel like some. I feel like something may have happened to where the talent just doesn't seem as explosive as it as it was in the past. And I I, I don't know if COVID has anything to do with it. I don't know. I, I I just think that it does play some of a part of a role 
into the decline in talent this year, and especially at the quarterback position. I mean, if you look at the 2013 draft class, uh, yeah, gosh, I couldn't even tell you who was in the – you had E.J. Manuel. Um, and, Ryan Nassib, Mike yeah. Lennon, Geno Smith. Yeah, the, exactly. Those are like the big four. Yeah, and, you know, the big four this year, Sam Howell, Malik, Malik Willis, and and uh, Matt, Matt Corral, uh, it just doesn't seem there. And – so, I mean, there were some good so that came out of that 2013 draft class. You had Tyler Eifert, Kyle Long, you know, and you, you could also say some other names in there. But it just doesn't – it doesn't feel as explosive as, let's say, the year before or the year prior to that. It, it just doesn't – I don't see it. So, my thing is with that is – and I'm going to give you like a 7 out of 10 on this hot take, by the way, because I think, I think you're pretty wrong. Um, I think <laughs> – I think you are letting two things happen with this, right? I think, for one, the quarterback class is down, right? And that's going to skew the overall perception of just and the that, draft and in that's general. What, and that's what everybody judges the 13 class on. That quarterback class was shit, all right? And I don't know if this class will be Like, shit, every first-round pick is like a, a pro bowler slash all pro, but all the quarterbacks are no better than me and you. Like then it's one of the greatest draft classes of all time. It just didn't have a quarterback in it, right? And, and then that's I mean? that's why we judge the thirteen class. So I'm, that's where I'm kind of basing this off. Yeah, but I mean the, thir- the thirteen class was bad because the front half of the draft stunk, even that with is- like no quarterbacks going here. One sec. Let, let me pull it up. Let me monologue real quick about but the uh, – Can we well, agree that this draft class, like if these quarterbacks fell to the second round, like I, I don't think I'd be shocked. No, I, I would. would. Thing is, is like the the thing about this draft too that I also want to mention is like we we get so caught up in the fact that like oh the first round is like so huge and like we put so much stock in the first round that we completely forget about the other six rounds that happen yeah. right. So what happens if we find like four Hall of Famers in like rounds three to seven? Then it's one. Then it again, it's one of the best draft classes ever in terms of depth or whatever. Yeah, and being so with that, you don't even have, in my opinion, does it even matter if there's Hall of Famers? I've even heard people go so far to say there's just not blue chip talent in this draft like there was in last year's draft. And I don't disagree with that. The problem is every team starts at least two wide receivers. Every team starts at least five offensive linemen. Every team starts so on. And then you have guys that are rotating in off of the off of the bench and playing significant roles. If this draft is just completely filled with wide receiver twos, with edge rushers that are like solid number twos, defensive tackles that are solid number twos, solid number two corners. And that this is like worst case scenario because I think that there's a lot of guys that could be number ones in this draft class at non-quarterback positions. Even if that happens and there's just number twos everywhere down to the sixth and seventh round, that's that's a stretch. Down to the fourth and fifth round, that's a great draft class. It just doesn't have the flash of a Jamar Chase. It doesn't have the Trevor Lawrence. It doesn't have you – know, you know what I'm getting at. Oh, no, I, I agree. So here's two other things to chew on, Beans. One – this draft class is stuck in between last year's draft class, which was pretty hyped up, you know, right. had a lot of hype to it. It did. Yes. And I the agree. 2023 draft class, which skill position wise is supposed to be chef's kiss elite. Yes. 
It's supposed to be one of the best draft classes of all time for skill position guys. So I think for one, like this is a heavy defensive and like offensive defensive line class and people don't get excited for those classes because, you know, they don't. And it's not sexy or anything. And there's no like consensus one guy. Like Kevante Thibodeau isn't Jadavian. Like Kevante Thibodeau might end up being better than Jadavian Clowney. I'm not trying to call Jadavian Clowney some elite player. But when Jadavian Clowney's coming into the draft, everyone knows he's the the 101. Like everyone knows that Miles Garrett's number one overall. Like they're elite guys. So I think it's stuck. I think it lacks the flash or the one guy to flash for it, and it's stuck in between two really flashy draft classes. The other thing I want you to chew on is you have to think about how many draft-eligible prospects there are in this draft. Right. That because is a lot of people didn't go to the draft last year because they came back for the COVID year. There's like almost, from what I read, there's one and a half to two times as many just prospects in this draft, Right. So it's one of those things where it's like you can buy one lottery ticket with like pretty good odds, or you can buy like a lot, like a hundred lottery tickets with slightly worse odds. Like which one would you want? And so th- there's there's probably just from the sheer volume of players in this class going to be some big hits, right? Like you're gonna find like your Darnell Mooney in the fifth round because. So you it's know, the year of the rookie UDFA. It could be. And like, mm-hmm. they, I've read some stuff where people think UDFAs this year are going to be better than some of the guys you could have gotten in the sixth round last year because the depth isn't there for the class last year and there's just better guys in this class. But uh, to go back to uh, making fun of you for thinking that 13 <laughs> is going to be as good as this class, let me read you off the top 16 picks, the first 16 picks of uh, this draft. <clears throat> one, Eric Fisher, two, Luke Jokel, three, Deion Jordan, four, Lane Johnson. That was a really good pick, by the that way. That was a really good pick. Five, Ziggy Aza, six, Barcavius Mingo, seven, Jonathan Cooper, eight, Ty- Tavon Austin, nine, Dean Milner, ten, Chance Warmack, eleven, DJ Fluker, twelve, DJ Hayden, 13, Sheldon Richardson, defensive rookie of the year that year. 14, Starlo Talele. 15, Kenny Vaccaro. And 16, EJ Manuel. That is about as bad as you can get for the first 16 picks in a draft. Oh, no, I can completely agree with that. But how many so, of these quarterbacks are going to be up in slotted into those top 16 spots and which won't have the production too many, but again, the the hurdle you're clearing is a combination of Lane Johnson and rookie year Sheldon Richardson. Like exactly, and then if you, you might... if you have one dude who's like a perennial like Pro Bowler, then you matched it, right? If you have like two dudes who are perennial Pro Bowlers, you did better. So, but see, but everybody compare exactly, but that it just doesn't feel like you. And and I can see where you're coming from as far as like you know, it's not as flashy because of the defense. Yeah. I, if, I will give you the second half of the first round in that. Like, you know, you got Xavier Rhodes and Desmond Trufant. And, yeah, the, the, dude, the later part of that. Travis draft, Frederick. Tyler Eifert. And you had you got Darius Slays. Like, this is how this – this is how, like, Jamie Collins and Lev Bell in round two. Like, this is how this draft's going to go. Like, none of the good players are going to go in the first round. So all the other guys are – And that's how we judge the first round of that. That's how we judge that 2013 draft class at the beginning of that. And so I just, I just see this 
draft. Yeah, Kelsey, Keenan Allen, Tavon Armstead. Yeah, this class had some good David Bakhtiari. Like, you know, you scroll down, Kyle Hughes check. You keep scrolling yes. down and you find guys. And, 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 like you and like you mentioned, due to COVID, there's going to be so many more players in that. And, and like I mentioned before, pick up any UDFA off the bench. And I think they could be a practice squad player and later on as a role player at some point. All right. Well, I'm going to lower your hot take down to uh, – I'm going to keep it at seven just because I think – Oh, fuck yeah. Let's go. <laughs> I'm going to keep it at seven because I think I've undersold how good the 13 class is. Do I get a, in terms do I get of this? a championship belt if I get a 10 out of 10? No. You got to come in with – you got to come in with something, like, realistic but, like, hot as hell to get a championship belt. Oh, shit. I got to come up with a quick on-the-spot hot take, I suppose. Yeah, I, I guess my hot take might just be the bank. You know what? Um, God, I really don't have anything good. Uh, hot take, K-State doesn't lose by 30 to Baylor this time. There's my hot take. One out of ten. Hopefully K-State doesn't lose to Baylor. Yeah, here's, zero here's out of ten. Take. You're just throwing shit out of wall, Sam. That ain't going to fucking happen. K-State All right. Well, how about this? Basketball team. How about this? How about... We, we finish off our hot takes with that freezing cold take, and I ask you guys one more question, then we get the hell out of here. All right. All right. This one's for fun. This isn't for real Aziz. You're not picking Joe Burrow or Matt Stafford for this. Who's the Super Bowl MVP and why? Who's your fun Super Bowl MVP, I should say? So pretty much just not a quarterback. If, if, if OBJ has over 100 yards receiving, it's going to be OBJ. Give me the Bengals kicker because <laughs> that motherfucker is going to hit like six field goals in that game. And like, that's going to be the difference. He'll, th- he'll hit the game winner. They never score a touchdown. They just keep up with, with them by field goals. That guy has some swag. I love that dude. I can't even think. I think it's like Evan McPherson. Is it is Evan McPherson. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I like, got his name the now. Thing, the only thing I can remember about Evan McPherson is he missed that kick against LSU when he was at Florida. To knock them out of the playoff race, but that's like that was like two years ago. I don't know why I remember that, but I that was the that was the game where uh, what's his nuts? Marco Wilson threw the shoe. Yes. So that so was how, that many, game. how many field goals has he missed since then? Probably zero. Uh, no, it, unless it's against the Packers, yeah, probably zero. He missed like <laughs> two or three against the Packers. Um, I, my fun one is going to be. I'm going to go with Tyler Boyd, okay? Hear me Ooh. out on this one. Oh, wow. Wide receiver. We got, we got Jalen Ramsey going against Chase, so we'll wash that out. And we're assuming the Bengals win the Super Bowl because we like that fun, right? Right. <laughs> um, And then T. Higgins will just be more of like a decoy this game or whatever. Tyler Boyd has a tendency to just have some dummy thick games with dummy thick stats. So maybe Joe Burrow goes like two touchdowns and like two picks, and Tyler Boyd gets both touchdowns like a hundred and like seventy yards or something like that. The other fun one I can think of is Sam Hubbard goes for like five sacks for Harambe, and they oh, win the let's Super Bowl. Go. Oh, they're definitely having Harambe Super Bowl shirts if they win this. We're gonna see some gorilla celebrations. <laughs> mm, that's bait, Gavin. That's high quality bait right there that's right <laughs> all right well 
I think the last word of our show is um, Dick's out for Harambe and Beans. We hit that exit music. On it.